Proverbs, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 2. Um, I'm just going to do uh, two points of the sermon tonight. In Proverbs chapter 2, if you would like for study in the days to come, uh, I'll give you all five points, but I'm only doing two tonight. So verses 1 through 5 is wisdom's value. And then verses 6 through 8 is wisdom's source, meaning where does wisdom come from? Verses 9 through 25 is wisdom's protection, protected from the man with bad speech and protected from the perverse woman. And then in 16 through 19, wisdom's discretion. And then lastly, verses 20 through 22 is wisdom's inheritance. And uh, in that last verse, uh, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease. No, that's chapter 1, sorry. In chapter 2, um, okay, I forget. Wisdom's inheritance. All right, chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 tonight. 1 through 8 tonight. And the text reads this way. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints." Entitled the message, Wisdom is the Foundation for the Abundant Life, Living Life to the Full. I'm sure if you thought long enough and hard enough, you've made some dumb decisions in your life somewhere along the way, and things that you've done, you wish that you would have done it some other way or not done it at all. I think that happens to all of us, um, and a lot of it's our own fault because we don't think and we we're too prideful or selfish to ask for counsel or to ask for wisdom. Uh, we don't want to ask things, and sometimes maybe we don't want the answers. Um, we don't want to, sometimes we don't ask because we're afraid that what we'll be told goes against what we want to do. There's a lot of different reasons, but the best course of action is to seek wisdom. Uh, it'll save you a lot of trouble. Um, but in the, in the form of introduction, you remember the word simple. Uh, meant naive or ignorant, and they talked about that in chapter 1, and we also talked about the scornful, and we also talked about the fool. So in a very, very short introduction, I just will state that being simple is a terrible way to pass through this life, because the simple just go through things, and they, it's like they're living in neutrality. They don't apply themselves they don't search out and try to figure out what the Scripture's saying. They don't let the Scriptures mold their life. They just kind of status quo it through life. And then 
I know the phrase doesn't work, but one day they wake up dead and they're like, what have I done with all of my life? And what was I even doing? And, and so all of life passes by and they find themselves in a nursing home going, what have I done and did I accomplish anything? This is the category of simple and it's, it's a terrible way to live and no purpose, no drive, no motive. Uh, it's a sad condition. Now, the other one, scornful, is just plain evil. It's like those Pharisees that attacked Christ, and um, they only accomplish uh, permanent residence in hell is what they end up with. And then the fool, he's just downright self-destructive because the fool knows better than everybody else and does it his own way, and he's just not listening um, to plain and good teaching. So the Christian, so take away those three, Uh, There may be some simple Christians, but I'm saying a Christian who's living in the right way. A Christian's the only one who experiences life to the full. Here and now and in the end, he's going to inherit eternal life. Now, I I know enough about life that I know things are difficult. I think people go through things, uh, a lot of challenges we go through life. But the Christian who truly walks and understands Christ, pursues the Bible, reads, prays, meditates, these type of things, even through all the difficulties, the hardships, and the trials of life, they still experience life to the full. Everything has meaning. Everything has purpose and reason, and they have a reason to get up in the mornings. And even when the day is dreary and dark, and even the clouds of depression come, the Christian still knows why he's walking a certain direction. The unbeliever doesn't know, and they just kind of get stuck in their rut. Uh, But the Christian's the one who knows the value, the source, the protection, the discretion, and the inheritance that is promised to all of those who will seek wisdom and be molded into the image of Christ by it. All right, verses 1 through 5. Point out some things that you may not have seen that are obvious to the text. So it's kind of the father-son mentality. The father's looking at his son down on his level, eye to eye, if you will, and he's giving him these words. You will notice verse 1, verse 3, and verse 4. So if you see there in your text in verse 1, you see if, verse 3, if, and verse 4, if. There is a condition here that is placed upon you. And it is this, if you receive, receive my words, and if you receive this treasure, my commandments, receive words, receive commandments, receive this treasure here. That's one. You have to receive it. It doesn't happen by osmosis. There's something involved here and you have to receive. Secondly, if you call out, I need wisdom, I'm not smart, I don't know how to handle this, I thought I could figure it out, but I'm just too dumb to figure it out. Lord, I, I need help, I need a word from you, I, I need you to fi- direct me to a passage of scripture, I don't know how to handle my marriage. I don't know how to handle my job situation because these people are really getting on my nerves. I I don't know how to handle my money. I don't know whether or not I should do this or do that, and it seems like I'm always getting further into debt. 
I need help here, God. I'm asking and I'm calling out to you. The text says, if you call out. I'm just thinking that there's a lot of people that haven't got to the calling out stage yet. That it didn't get difficult enough or they didn't get serious enough yet to say, God, I need help. And so, if you call out. Thirdly, if you seek. This issue of wisdom is to be sought. How would you seek it? I don't know. Like you would seek silver. If there was a mountain, and somewhere in that mountain, there's a silver vein. And you want silver because it would pad your pocket and increase your bank account. Exactly what would you do to find the silver? Dig, sweat, work, move rocks. There's a lot of effort here to find the silver. If you seek wisdom like silver. And it's hard to memorize a verse. No kidding. Thanks. It's, I, I tried reading the Bible, but it's just a lot of work. And your point? If you understand the value, it's worth the effort. I mean, we say this to, this is a very simple example, but you say to your kids when you send them to school or you're talking with them, if you apply yourself in school, if you apply yourself, don't, don't just be in trouble and talking and going to the principal's office all the time, but if you apply yourself, you might make something of yourself. So three ifs. And then if you look in verse 5 and then also in verse 9, you will see the first word, then. Then, verse 5, verse 9, then. So we get three ifs and two thens. So if you'll do these three things, then you will understand. Then you will understand. But note, if you don't receive, and if you don't call out, and if you don't seek, then you won't understand. Understand what? Understand the fear of the Lord. You're not ever going to comprehend the fear of the Lord rightly unless you receive, call out, and seek. So if, in a sense, you're not putting forth the effort to glean from this treasure, then you're never going to understand the fear of the Lord. And that's a great loss to you. It's a great loss to you because the fear of the Lord, as we already have noted in this book, is the very beginning of wisdom. So if we don't get the fear of the Lord, we're never going to be wise about the things of God. And the second then in verse 9, you get at least three more things. Then you'll understand, not the fear of the Lord, but here you'll understand what righteousness is, what justice is, what equity is. And you will understand what every good path is. You say, I don't know why people live like this. Well, I can tell you why. They don't receive the Word of God. They don't call out for wisdom. And they don't treasure wisdom or seek wisdom out. And so they have no fear of God. And they also have not have any ability to understand these things. And so that's why they're taking all these paths they're taking is because they're fools or they're scornful or they're just simple. And they're just kind of stuck in this thing we call life. And they have no wisdom of how to walk in a right direction. 
They don't value wisdom. If you valued it, you would apply in order that you could gain wisdom. Now, let's look at the implications of the verbs that are in this passage because they're all upon us. So there's a responsibility for us. Here's our verbal implications. And let me just give you these few verbs. Receive, treasure, and making your ear attentive, inclining your heart, calling out, raising your voice, seeking, and searching. All of those verbs, we'll do them one at a time. We'll just say a little bit about each one. But here's the action that you and I are to do in order to gain wisdom. So I see that wisdom's valuable, and it will produce life and save me from a world of error. It's so valuable. Tell me what to do in order that I can have it. Okay. Number one, receive words. God's words are received through means. What are the means? Reading the Word of God, uh, hearing the Word of God taught in a Sunday school class, memorizing the Word of God on your own and personal effort, and meditating upon God's Word. And we can make the list longer, but all of these would be ways to receive the Word. I've heard lots of theories. I've heard start in Genesis 1-1 and read your Bible through every year. Amen. I approve. I approve of rain. Receive (laughs) rain. I've heard just read a short passage and meditate on it. Amen. However we do it, I don't think you can ever lose if you'll invest in God's Word. God's words are received fully when they're applied. When I receive it, I apply it to my life. That's the receiving of God's Word. Let me give you a biblical example, a very short one. Jonah did not receive the Word in chapter 1. In chapter 3, he received it. Heard the Word, went the other way. That's not reception. Chapter 3, he heard it, and he went to Nineveh. That's reception. That's what's at stake every time we're around God's Word. You're home for family time, here at church on Sunday, wherever it is that you're around the Word of God, that's what's at stake. God's Word is spoken. How am I going to conform my life to what's been said? This is receiving. This will make you wise. Secondly, treasure. Treasure commandments. I don't know what's valuable to you. It could be different for everybody in the room. There's certain things we value and we love. Some of you value your car, so you lock your doors, or you value your house, you lock your house, you value clothes or hobbies or money, whatever the thing is. Here, you want to be wise, treasure God's commandments, precious, good, food for my soul. I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day and all the night. It's it's the thing that's very dear to my heart. That's, That's what we're supposed to be. There's a lot of these, a lot. I'll just give you two, but uh, in Psalm 119 that we went through this summer, but Psalm 119, 47 and 48 says, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. 
I love God's commandments. That's what the psalmist says. He says, I'll lift up my hands towards your commandments. Again, which I love. He says, I will meditate on your statutes. Here's a man who's found this book to be a treasure, and these commands are the very delight and joy of his heart. That will produce wisdom. And another verse, I said there's a bunch, let me just give you one more. Psalm 119, 127. He says, therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Now, you can make this story long, but you're, you're quick enough, we can make it short. But here's how love of commandments and love of gold works. Way back in the 1800s on the East Coast, they understood that somebody said, over on the West, there was gold in them, their heels, right? These people had no phones, had no insurance, had nothing, and they put their families in a covered wagon. They hired a guy they didn't know to be drawn by horses and led across this vast prairie to get over here to these mountains, and they had to go through the dangers of warfare with the Indians. They had, some of them froze to death. Some of them rotted. And all these things happened, but they were willing to risk it all that they might find gold. It wasn't a guarantee, but I'll I'll put my whole family's life at stake because we might get it. And then you're at the stream, and you're sifting through all this stuff and hoping you you find a little flake, and everybody rejoices, and you find two flakes, and and it's like this is all their joy. The psalmist says, I love this above gold. Count the hours from Rhode Island to California in a wagon with a horse, it takes a lot, and this is more valuable. How much time do we invest? How much of a treasure is it? Thirdly, so we have receive, we have treasure. Thirdly, making your ear attentive. Listen to wisdom. I want to hear rightly. Do not be like the people Jeremiah ministered to. Don't be that way. In Jeremiah 35, 15, and there's a lot of these, but let me just give you the one. I have sent to you, God says through Jeremiah, I've sent to you all my servants. I've sent to you my prophets. I have sent them to you persistently saying, turn every one of you from his evil way amend your deeds. Don't go after other gods to serve them. Then you'll dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. All this great word sent to them. And the text says, but you did not incline your ear or listen to me. Don't be like that. If, if God, God's word is preached, taught, or read, turn it off. Turn everything off. I want to hear. I thought about that so many times in the years past. I used to go out to Alabama to the Anchored in Truth conference out there. And I thought we would drive 11 hours, 12 hours, just to go to this conference. Why? I don't know. David Miller was preaching. I mean, 
I mean, Vody Bauckham was supposed to preach. I mean, Conrad Medbayway preached. I mean, John O. Sims was preaching. I was like, I felt like a little kid. I'd go out there, and I'm sitting on the third row, second row, right up at the front, and I'm just like hanging on every word. I, I, I'm like, I get to hear somebody preach. This week when I preach in Mexico, there's a guy named Rodolfo. He's never been to a conference, and he said he's never sat under somebody else's preaching. And he's so excited. That's the issue. Incline your ear. I want to hear what God has to say to me. Right now, tonight, God's speaking. He's saying, receive. He's saying, treasure. He's saying, make your ear attentive. I remember a long time ago, man, a way long time ago, maybe 1980, let's call it 89, 1989, 1990, I was learning how to be an iron worker and there was a man by the name of Randy, and he had been an iron worker for many years, and he's instructing me as this young hell, 19-year-old kid how to climb iron and hang high steel. And, you know, I was listening at 10 foot up, but I'm telling you, when you crossed over 100 feet, I was listening a lot more attentively. I'm looking down, and when you get to 200 feet up, and you look down at 200 feet, that's when the people start looking like ants, right about 200 feet. At 200 feet, if Randy says do this, you do this. Your ears are just hanging on every word. Why? Because your life is at stake. People die in this business. And I saw people fall, and this is a long story. But nevertheless, he comes to church. Our lives are at stake. Our souls are in the balance. I, I, I don't want to miss something God has for me. Because it may save me from a world of difficulty. Fourthly, Incline your heart. It's not just that my ears or my mind are involved like theology and doctrine. I know they're important. I know that's real, but I want my heart to be in it. You understand the difference? Like if you're a child and your dad says, do this or do that, and you listen, and you know he said that, and you do it because he said that, that's one thing. That's different than your heart being in it and desiring to do it because you love your dad. That's a little different. And so he includes that here, incline your heart. Lord, make my heart desire your word. Lord, make my heart to delight in gospel truth. Lord, I see other people happy about the gospel, and I'm not happy. Make my heart delight in the gospel. Lord, I see other people amen a sermon. They seem like they love the sermon, but I'm so cold and stagnant. Make me delight. Make my heart soft to the gospel that it would be a joy. I I want it to be like I'm in a desert wasteland, and it's like water coming to my lips and say, oh man, this is good. Make my heart like that. Or as the psalmist would say it, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. If the Lord is the delight of your heart, the understanding of things that matter will become clearer and clearer as time goes on. Receive, treasure, make your ears attentive, incline your heart. Number five, these are all straight out of the text. Number five, call out for insight. I need discernment. 
I need insight. I need to know what to do in this situation. You can make up your own, but I need to know what to do in my marriage. We're having this difficulty. I need to know what to do with my kids. They're doing this. I'm trying to do this. I need insight. I don't know how to function here as a dad. I don't know how to function here as a mom. I'm having a hard time as an employee. I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. and I don't like my coworkers. I need insight here. How am I supposed to function in this environment? Call out for insight. Hey, think about just the commonness of people. This is just the common thing we do. When we have difficulties in life, we ask our friends what to do. Hey, what should I do in this situation? We ask our family, we ask our mom, we ask our dad, we ask our wife, what should I do? But now in our generation, skip all of that, just type it in Google. Google, what do I do when my boss is a jerk? I don't know what will come up. But if you want insight, if you want discernment, you must call out to the Lord. Lord, I mean, I'm not, don't make this complicated. I'm on my knees at my house. Lord, I need help. I don't even know how to be a pastor sometimes. I don't know what to do with this situation. God, if you don't help me, I'm sunk. I just call out. Do you hear an audible answer? No, but it's fascinating to me that the more I call out, it seems like I keep stumbling over things in the Word of God that speak to my situation. Call out. Ain't discernment is at an all-time low in the church today, and it must be a result of not calling out. But it goes on, number six. We said call out, but the text gives us another one. Raise your voice. Raise your voice for understanding. So, well, I, didn't, I never got any direction. Well, then raise your voice. If you don't get understanding the first time you ask, lift your voice to a higher level. God, are you listening to me? God, do you hear me when I pray? God, I've been praying for this long and i got nothing. Hello, I need some help. There you are in your room, in your closet. There you are in your car. And you're like, somebody drives by and thinks you're an idiot. I don't care. I'm calling out. I want God to hear me. Raise your voice. Ask for understanding. We could learn from a woman, could we not? She wanted justice, Luke 18. And you know what the judge said? Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. I will give her justice. Why? Well, she won't beat me down by her continual coming. She just kept crying out until something was done. We can learn from that. I'm just going to keep calling out until God shows me. It's the way to get wisdom. Number seven, seek it like silver. I've already made comment upon this. But treat your Bible like it's silver and gold. There's no man in his right mind that went all the way across this country and found a nugget of gold or a little strain of silver and said, oh, I found it, and went back home. And he found it, he wanted more. And when he found more, he wanted more. And we had this way of sifting through it, but if we do it this way, we can sift so much more. And things got bigger and bigger and faster and faster where we could really get in there and get all the stuff. Christian, That's us in this book. I found this verse, commit your way unto the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37, 5, and it ministered to me, and I'm like, man, that's so good, I need more. 
I just keep looking, and I keep searching, and I keep reading, and I keep memorizing because there's just more and more. Look, I'm telling you, for decades, I keep finding gold. It's in here. And what joy comes. These things are applied. You become wiser. Number eight, wisdom's value. Number eight, search. Search it like a hidden treasure. Put everything aside. Spare no expense. Cast yourself wholly into the task of obtaining wisdom. In Matthew, this was a memory verse at one point in our church, but in Matthew 13, verse 45 and 46, what a great word. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who? On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought it. Boy, howdy. When we find this to be the pearl, or if you want to personify it and say that Christ is the pearl, and sell everything else and do everything to possess this pearl, may it be the very dear desire of your heart. If not, you'll never have wisdom. I know, guys... I've gone to seminary for many years, have multiple degrees, and have no wisdom that I would seek them for about anything. And then I know simple little widow ladies who don't even know where the seminary's at, who have more wisdom than any of the guys at the seminary because they've applied these truths to their life, and now they're at 80 and 90 years old, and they're very wise because God's Word has given them wisdom. It's a, look, I'm telling you from Proverbs that this is true. If you'll apply these things, you can be wise. You don't have to go to a seminary. You don't have to read the latest, greatest books. And don't ever listen to Doug Wilson, no matter what he puts out. Just study this book, and you'll be wise. This what, you say, how can you say that? Because God says if... You'll do this, and if you'll do this, and if you'll do this, then you'll have fear of the Lord. Then you will have understanding. It's his promise to every individual Christian who would do the things he has given us to do with his book. The promise, obedience to these actions, these verbs that I've given you, they will give us understanding of the fear of the Lord. Right fear of the Lord causes me to be conformed to his will when it goes against my flesh. I know Brother Jeff's teaching through Daniel. And I think about fear of the Lord even in the book of Daniel. And I think about those three Hebrew boys. Here's an idol, bow down. No bow down, thrown in a fire. But I fear God more than your idol. And I don't want to be thrown in a fire, and I don't really like the idea of being burnt up. That's just not really the way I want to spend my afternoon. But because these three guys had wisdom, their wisdom says, let God's will be done. God's true, and we're going to do what's right in God's eyes. It's going against all of our flesh, but by obedience, you understand what they get to see. Or even Daniel himself. You cannot cry out to any other God, and there he is, same thing every day, seeking God, seeking wisdom. You get thrown in the lines then, fear of God, I, I fear God more than your line. God made the line, by the way, and so I fear him, and I'm going to conform to God's will. This is what God gives the man who seeks obedience, fear of the Lord. Having the truth of God molds you into conformity. 
My flesh desires one thing, God's Word says another thing. Fear causes me to die to self and submit to God. I don't know that this would be shocking to you, but it is the truth. I am tired. I get tired. I'm human. I wear out. I don't have a desire to go to Mexico. I don't want to go through the process of getting on the plane. I don't want to fly down. I don't want to stay in a motel. And I don't want to spend the next 10 days there. That's really not what I want to do. But God, the fear of the Lord says, I called you, and I'm in charge, and I'm sending you. So fear of the Lord, wisdom teaches you to submit to God's will above your own will. It's good, and the Lord will bless that. The fear of the Lord is humble and delightful submission to His truth, even when it contradicts our flesh. A couple of observations to finish this up, but um, yes, God is sovereign. I have no doubt about that. But this sovereign God has given you a responsibility. I'm not going to quibble with you over sovereignty. God's in charge of everything. There's not anything outside of his control. But he does say, this sovereign God says this, if, if, if you'll do these things, it is only then that you'll receive this. God's sovereign, and here's your responsibility. Do these action verbs, and then I'll give you an understanding of the fear of the Lord. I'll put these things before you. You'll have this wisdom. Every verb in this first section is something that you are supposed to do. I would ask you, it, it comes, that's why I said wisdom's value. It comes down to something like this. What do you do for something you value? Exactly how much would you sacrifice to have a car? Exactly how much money would you generate to buy a house? You value a house, so how much money would you spend? Maybe we could say that this way. We'd use the Bible examples. Exactly what length would Sarah go to to have a child? I mean, would she give another woman to her husband? Would she even go to that extreme? If she values a child, she will. Well, what would Haman do to gain position in the kingdom? Would he build gallows? Would he go all the way to the point of murder to get a position because he valued a position? What would Judas do to gain 30 pieces of silver? Would he sell out the king of glory? What would Moses do to have Christ, forsaking all of the pleasures of Egypt, that he may have Christ? What would Joseph do to maintain morality and integrity? Would he run from a woman and flee in order that he wouldn't engage in something that's forbidden? You see, he knew God's word. He's like, I can't do this. And he takes off running because he valued integrity. So I ask you tonight, if you value God's word, because, you know, we're Baptists and we're taught to say this, preach the Bible, read the Bible. It's all about the Bible. Memorize the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. I agree. But what will you do to accomplish these things? How much do you value it? Like, like tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, even if we'll have tomorrow. But tomorrow, you're not going to keep me from this book. You're not going to do it. Why? Because it's valuable to me. It's more valuable than anything else that I can think of. And I can't 
function without this book. I, I think about even this week when I went over to see Brian and his wife died, and, and, I, and I, I walk in to, to the room, and all these people are crying, and I walk in just like this holding my Bible, and, and there's a chaplain there, and the chaplain goes, oh, you have a Bible? Yes, I have a Bible. I don't go anywhere without it. I'm like, you're a chaplain. What are you doing without a tool? It'd be like going to Tony's garage and you don't have a toolbox. It don't make any sense. I mean, of course I have a Bible. It's the only thing we have that will give us help. By the way, so dear to my heart, but he said this morning to me after the service, he said, when you walked in that room holding that Bible in your hand, he said it changed the whole room. And he said, we were helped. And then you opened it and read, and he said, I will never forget it. Why? Because this is valuable, and it ministers to our souls. All right, good news. I'm just going to do one point. So that's the end of the sermon tonight. Value this book. Look over these verses again, one through five. Look at the ifs. Look at the thens. Look at all the verbs there and say, I want to be obedient to this text in order that I can have wisdom to deal with this life in which I'm living because this is the only way you're going to have wisdom. And as an ending note, I suppose, ask. Ask the Lord. Ask, pray, seek, and seek counsel from those who are wiser than you. And when they give an answer, listen to the counsel, receive it, and figure out how to apply it if it lines up with this valuable treasure. And it will save you a world of difficulty. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for its clarity. Thank you for its simplicity. Lord, it boggles my mind how we get off track into so many things. I see people do the strangest things with marriages when your word is so clear about what the man is to do, what the woman is to do. I see parents do the strangest of things with their own children when your word is so clear about what fathers are supposed to do with their children. Lord, I get so confused with a world that does all these things and yet before our very eyes you have set your truth before us that if we would pursue it, receive it, delight in it, that our decisions would come out far more differently. Lord, help us to learn the value of your book and help us. Back in the days when I grew up, Baptists were known as people of the book, or at least that was the phrase. May it be true of me, may it be true of us, and may each one of these people who has family time in their home and reads their Bible in their home, I pray that they will experience the joy and the fruit that comes from a diligent search of your word, and it will be the most valuable time of their day. And so, Lord, as I depart from Mexico, I ask that you bless Brother John, give him strength and uh, wisdom to lead the church Wednesday and Sunday. Pray the ministry would go forth here, the sting fling, the gospel would go out here in Azel. 
pray God that the church will continue doing what is right and good while I'm away. And I look forward to hearing what you've done while I'm gone. And I pray God you go before me and David and Mike and the others and that we will go on our trip with a great love for Christ, a great treasure of your word, and that we will have joy and we will take opportunity of every appointment you give us to magnify the name of Christ. And even in all my messed up Spanish, that whatever I might say to someone along the way, that the Spirit of God would make it to be understood and that there will be people that will receive the gospel, pastors will be encouraged, churches will be built up, and that they will be more healthy uh, after we're gone. And we pray that you would be honored in this and that you would get the glory for it. Lord, we love you. We pray these things tonight by your Spirit in Christ's name. Amen.